the dark Midwestern basement mm. are two grown males trying to assert some kind of dominance over a very small sector of the internet. Despite their greatest efforts, they largely fail. But yet, they continue to try on this week's episode of Hopped on the Plastic, the podcast for the miniature hobby enthusiast. Welcome, friends. Welcome. That was, Hi. My, that was my best David Attenborough, Attenborough. accent. I'm sure it was terrible. But you can let me know either way in the comment section below. I just like to say the word Attenborough. <laughs> you just like leave out like six of the letters. Yeah. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. How you doing, John? I'm doing uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Other than what I just talked about a minute ago that I woke up this morning to water coming in through my daughter's closet. So driving up here, I had to like do uh, the adulting and like calling places and somebody come out and they're going to be there this morning. And so... Is someone there now? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, is like your wife there? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, my wife and daughter are home. So we'll be there. Hopefully it all is fixed by the time I get home. So, you know, the one time we get rain this summer. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. It just comes into my house. So like, how did you discover it? Was it just like... It's pouring through like the the frame on her closet. Oh gosh, so it's like severe. It's not like a little leak. It's Um, It's not like a pouring in, but it's like constant drips this is like drip 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 vincey v drip in your face drip 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 technomancer oh god it's still going amazing well that's amazing but not the leak i'm sorry you had to deal with that yeah i mean it's cool that it made that song yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's how your your daughter figured out because there was like a fucking beat and like a track in her closet and she was like oh it's going on who's vincey b (laughs) why is he in the closet singing Yeah. All right. Anyways, let's get on to the. John, you have ramble. two fucking preamble ramble topics. We talked about this. I know, I know, but you're gonna do your. Really, it's three because of the rain thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was unexpected. That doesn't count. Okay, so you're gonna do yours while I do something uh, secretive under the table. Mine is kind of long. Yeah, it's good. This might take me a while. So you okay, mind. okay. So uh, over the last two weeks, I've gotten very much so into the game, a song of ice and fire made by Kulmanir Not, which you know uses the popularized universe from the show game of thrones is it popular yes um but like so i I mean i didn't know us if you don't know this a song of ice and fire is the actual name of the series of books yes game of thrones is the third book a game of thrones uh song of ice and fire is the name of the first book Am I, oh wait! A okay, game I guess of, I'm wrong. A Game of Thrones might be the name of the series. God, now you're making me. I thought it was it. the other way around. Either way, the game is based more on the book series than the show, so it features a lot of characters that never showed up in the show. But I assume that makes sense because they had more options uh, for what characters to include in the game. But me and my roommate Curtis are really, really enjoying it a lot. We've played three games so far, different lists each time, different scenarios each time um 40 point games which is like the the 2k point equivalent of uh, that's a lot of fucking points dude uh 40 i mean 2000 points oh 2000 yeah yeah and so each game you know amber looked up what the average length of a game of a a song of ice and fire was and she said on the site it said 30 to 45 minutes and that's, that's such a fucking joke 
Um, I don't know who like like I don't know how, even if you're super well versed in the game, it's taking an hour and a half, like or maybe an hour, but not thirty to forty five minutes. Like what the heck? Anyways, that's, really fun. That's still a lot faster than I would expect for an Age of Sigmar and takes like three hours. I mean, okay. It took us like three or four hours okay. each time, um, but loving the game uh, a lot. And uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a rank and flank style game that you know you have yep. movement trays of dudes. The facing matters, what they can see matters. A ton of great little maneuverability things in the game built in um, that you can do. My my friends running a Targaryen list, which is. is. Fucking Curtis. Mostly, mostly <laughs> dragons and like cavalry. So it's very fast and very hard to deal with. But my army uh, excels in other ways. So it's fun to to figure out um, how to play the game. The, there are several moments in the game where uh, there are several options available, but the, the correct answer isn't totally clear. So it feels like the the depth is there. Like it's, <laughs> it's not obvious. Um, I'd love to play it with you okay. if you want to. Uh, it's yeah. it's super fun. Yeah, I mean when we. We had that demo at Adepticon a couple of years back where CMON mm-hmm. people ran us through. And it seemed really, it seemed way cooler than I thought it was going to yes. be from when it was released. I was yes. like, <laughs> 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 um, but the, this interesting aspect of you have your, the political leader that's yeah, part of your army that mm-hmm. they're not on the battlefield. They're called they NCUs, non combat units. Yeah. I mean, I do kind of want to be Peter Dinklage. You can. I know. The Lannisters, yeah. That's that's a house you can pick. Um, one last thing I'm going to say was that I feel like I'm kind of rediscovering what it means to be a hobbyist a little bit with this game. I don't want to sound too overly uh, romantic, but like, um, we were like we were gaming one night, and so like I don't know, two in the morning. And then after we we're done gaming, we fucking painted until four. Oh, and I was like, I was like fucking super enthused, and so I painted. Uh, Eric Ironmaker, which I'll talk about in the painting section uh, that night. But I, I painted a, sorry, I painted Eric Ironmaker and I painted an Ironmaker, the the unit mm-hmm. uh, on stream. And now I'm making a video that involves painting the same model three times, once at ten, one at hour, and one at ten hours to see like what each paint job looks like with identical minis using the A Song of Ice and Fire minis. I had a paint session uh, on Friday or a different day for my kill team meetup. And I never really have time to paint my kill team because I'm like answering a lot of questions while I'm or doing that little hangout with the, with my friends. And so I just painted a little bit more of a, a different character from my a Song of Ice and Fire team. So I'm like really enthusiastic about this right now, and it's just like I'm having fun. Hey, from start to finish with the paint jobs. Hey. So that's not normal for me, and so I'm really kind of trying to ride this wave as long as it lasts. I'm really enjoying it. Do you think that maybe the mode in which you painted your age of sigmar army for like a speed paint really fast it was had some detriment for you enjoying that because it felt like you had to put a bunch in on the front end instead of just like enjoying it yeah in smaller bites it's possible that's definitely possible i've been thinking about this a lot and i think the real reason is because I'm painting these models that are going to actively be used in the future. And I know that for a fact Mm -hmm. for age of Sigmar and for 40 K, which I plan to finish after I finish this video. um, It's just like, this is for a video. Sure. I don't really have any explicit plans to play 40 K or age of Sigmar in the future. um, But this one is like, I'm playing another game on Saturday and on Sunday because Amber's working at the state fair and from (laughs) nine to five. And so me and Chris are going to fucking play games (laughs) all day, like all day and maybe paint some minis. Um, so like, yeah, I think 
I think I've, I definitely have kind of lost what it meant to kind of be a hobbyist and just kind of like paint things for like, you know, active use. Maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of just estimating right now, but I yeah. think that was a, a big uh, contributor. The, the reason I asked that is because I kind of felt a similar thing. We'll talk about it when we get to the what we painted um, in relation to H of Sigmar. But I totally relate to your feeling on the painting of an army. I went through that exact same thing on yeah. my 40K army. Yeah. Like, I was just like... I really am not invested in this. I I still want it to look cool, and when it's all done, I'm like, not kind of want to play these because it's all yeah, cool and done. Absolutely, but the the process wasn't as fun as thinking about it the way that you're doing it. You know, which is kind of the way I did, not the exact way because I don't get to play uh, Age of Sigmar 3.0 yet. But the way that I'm approaching it from a painting standpoint for my soul blight gravelord. I mean, it's like, I don't want to rush this. I want to do this in a way that's fun. And so, yeah, we should, uh, we should play the, the third edition of age of Sigmar and then like have an episode where we talk about how we think it feels. Yeah. It's cause, um, actually just this week on Warhammer weekly, um, Vince, uh, had that as the topic was there like, like now that they've played and Vince said he's played between 30 and 40 games of 3.0 already. Christ. And he just did a, they were just in a, a tournament. Yeah. The, was it uh, Holy Havoc? Holy Havoc. Yeah. Um, and he finished in his final game. He was playing for third place. Cool. And he lost um, just barely, but um, Tom, actually won the tournament oh wow yeah awesome. so that's pretty cool Glad and and like they're talking about one thing that really excites me is they looked at a bunch of these bigger tournaments because this weekend i guess especially but the last couple of weeks there's been a bunch of big tournaments in age of sigmar and the different armies that are doing well the winners across the board all these tournaments are all over the place it's mm-hmm. not like this army and this army are like the big hitters and like they just our top five in almost every tournament. Sure. So that's really cool, including a Soulbright Gravelord tournament winner in one major tournament in U.S. two weeks ago. That was Tom? Tom was playing? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. This is a different tournament. Tom, like, cared around Overlords. He's a cheesy shooter, son of a bitch. Loser. He's a gotrek loser. That's why I say this is a Soulbright Gravelord winner. What you're saying is there's hope for us. There's hope. <laughs> I will hope. never play in a fucking H Sigma tournament in my life. You can take that to the grave. <sighs> oh man. That's not my thing. Until TendyCon becomes a thing. I mean you're, you're required to play. I would play in a one that was like So Holy Havoc, I know, is a little bit more of a narrative driven uh uh tournament. Like a lot of the boards have special rules that you have to like abide by while playing. Um I would I would love something like that that kind of reduce the level of competitiveness when i play miniature war games i'm very uh specific about how i play them i i say my strategies out loud uh uh, to my opponent because to me it feels like okay well i'm just i'm just trying to tell you what i'm thinking you know and hopefully they do the same uh because it's kind of just like a, a good exchange of information and it makes it less competitive um I could tell the more A-S-O-I-A-F, what a fucking acronym, <laughs> the more A Song of Ice and Fire I played, the quieter I got and the more serious I got. And I was like, I'm fucking never going to uh, lose. I, I, <laughs> I won two of the games and lost the third one because um, he kind of figured out a, a great list that I can't, I have a hard time dealing with. Um, but yeah, so I got to kind of reel it in a little bit. Oh, nice. Nice. All right. So a little change of topic. I want to put a little something up here on the table here real quick. Uh, what? Gonna... There's fucking wires and shit. Jesus Christ. You see that? Did someone fucking make this and send it to you? He didn't make it, but he sent it to us. Oh, my god! One of the goody peepees sent us 
a Mountain Dew neon sign. <laughs> <laughs> it came in the mail this week. <laughs> and uh, I this this feels like I'm Jan right now, and you're Michael, and you're gonna say, "Let's put it on my wall." And I'm fucking. <laughs> I got a big screen. No fucking. Way. <laughs> I got a big screen TV. <laughs> no like fucking a, ways. I go out my like wall. It's like a 13 incher. <laughs> Look at this shit. <laughs> I got it. And he's like, "Hey, I was gonna send you something." I'm like, all right, all right. And I, I opened it <laughs> <All> up. <right. laughs> I opened it up and I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> this is a Mountain Dew sign. I'm trying to figure out where it would go. I feel like below the chalkboard, but then you can't see it in the background. You know, this is logistics. We're just going to put it on this TV sw- or this monitor switch. No, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> Woo. Um, we can always like hang it over it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I want to share this. This is freaking crazy. I want to, I want to actually give uh oh shit i gotta this is gonna be uh where did he message me uh and thank him with his actual name shane shane thank you shane shane is the goodiest of peepees this is crazy dude yeah and to to celebrate i got a little uh a baja blast zero poured one out for my homie shane (laughs) and all the fellow dew suckers out there mountain dew if you're watching this what more do you want? What more? You want me to get the tattoo on my forehead? Because <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay, my second thing. I saw you in the stream, your stream last Friday. Yes. And you're getting all excited about this song, Lines and Fire, and I was yes. like, what the fuck is going on with yes. this kid? Scott's a fucking traitor. Um, I'm happy that you're happy, but that's not the actual thing. I was my, my uh, <laughs> preamble ramble. Uh, my preamble ramble was John went to look at some Tup tour buses. <laughs> oh, God. So, last week... Like, actually? Let, there's a story. Let me tell a story. Okay, so last weekend, my in-laws, uh, they decided that they have this bug up their butt. They want to buy a, a camper. Like a camper you pull behind with a truck. They go camping, and they're old now, and they decided they don't want to sleep in a tent anymore, which is fine, and we go with them um once or twice a year and so they're like oh we can go more and blah blah blah. i'm like fine so we all went because there's a <laughs> fine there's a couple of big camper places on highway 52 between where we live and where they live so we just met them there and they're going to take me out for lunch for my birthday which they did which was great um afterwards and so they're looking through all these trailers and stuff and i got a little bored well there was no salesman around these these things are like giant car lots they're just massive and all the things are unlocked yeah she can just go in and walk around. And so I went over to this section with giant tour buses, like band tour bus size. And I'm like, I'm going to go in here, dude. Should cost more than my house. Yeah. They like, they start at like a quarter million dollars. Yeah. yeah. So freaking worth it though, dude. <laughs> They're nice. They're so nice. They've got like two bedrooms and they got a fancy bathroom. They got like a giant screen TV with a pop out with a big living room in it. They got it is so freaking cool. Oh my gosh! And so I'm just like daydreaming. I'm sitting around there because it took them forever to look at all this stuff, and I'm like, God, what if we had a a tub tour bus? And we like went all places, and we got all the goody peepees, and we drank we whiskey, taught, taught classes, and did uh, live episodes of the podcast. Yeah, in the tour bus, that would be all we did. You know that, right? I mean, we'd only have to charge like a bazillion seven thousand dollars a ticket. Yeah. 
to pay for the gas. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Um, that probably wouldn't be good for home life if we're gone. But like, you know, what about like, you know, like Motley Crue? They're on tour all the time. They've been for like 25 years. I mean, come on. They make it work. Probably have terrible home lives. Okay, right. so. They're rock stars, though. Yeah, they're rock stars. Um, but, it, you know, it made me think of this bizarro universe where that was a reality. Where it's like the top tour bus shows up to your convention. <laughs> I love people, that. <laughs> people are like, and smoke rolls out of the bus, yeah. dude. And it just like the door slowly opens and just like we got like a tendy gun. It's like doof, doof. <laughs> and it shoots tendies into the crowd. Lightly crispy, warm tendies. Oh, dude. So they're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Like this, this is this is what the preamble rambles about. It's about daydreaming what could be. Yeah, and about your dreams about Vince. Yeah, well, that and too. Green glowing eyes. That's it for all of our preamble ramble for today, dude. I also went to a camper like fair and it oh, was gosh. in the football stadium uh, the, the Vikings. Vikings football stadium and they're all arranged all over the field in rows and so we went with Amber's parents my in-laws and we like looked at all the ones and I, I looked at some of those that were a quarter of a million and I was like fucking hey they're insane anyways yeah. crazier than that my, my my buddy my buddy Blair his uh, his dad and stepmom uh, recently retired this is just before covid and they were anesthesiologists so made good money okay they retired they sold their house they have a cabin up north as well but they sold their house and they bought a one of these big giant camper things that was almost a million dollars okay i'm not a financial expert but that seems like a terrible investment yeah but if it's like this is your last go round you're like 65 years old who gives a shit but you like, spend your money the house keeps its value right yeah but you're gonna be dead what cares about what happens to your i assume thing? you care about maybe like your family <laughs> that's a big assumption obviously you can sell the thing right you can sell it but it I is not it. worth that's it when million. they die, I'll convince Blair to give it to us, and that will be the top tour bus. This is like the forty-year plan. Yes, this is it. By that I don't point, know how old they are. I'm assuming. I mean, uh, maybe I don't know. I mean, let's just plan on it. We'll okay, write a contract we'll for them now. It's kind of crazy to think about what I'm gonna be and look and do in forty years, bro. Dude, dude, dude two years is kind of crazy. Dude, you're gonna be like. Uncle Adam making what videos. Were you doing? <laughs> what were you doing two years ago? What was I doing two years ago? Yeah, what what kind of John were you? You knew me. I was this. I know, but I was this. I was this. No, you weren't. Yeah, like You weren't making videos? No, I wasn't making videos. I was painting yeah. for like uh Crystal Brush. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, basically this. Buying models. And now look at you. And now I'm buying models. And now you have 70, 80,000 subscribers. You know? And you're on the cusp of doing it full time. Yeah, that would be. That's crazy. that's fucking crazy. But thinking that's about two it, years, bro. Yeah, that's a lot. I've done forty more, years. I've done. Dead. I've done more in two years <laughs> than I did in the last ten. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. It makes me a little bit worried about like the future of like what is what is mini painting, what is content creation, what is this hobby in like five years or ten years, and it's a big like risk. It's a big thing, like. You know, we'll be here, goody peepees. We're not this. I'm not guaranteeing in. that. Okay, maybe he will. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not guaranteeing anything. Ten years? Well, not ten years. You do the podcast in ten years, dude. Dude, dude. I don't see Joe why Rogan's, not. Joe Rogan's been doing his podcast for like right twenty. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying there's a reason at the moment why I wouldn't continue it for ten years. But like, I have no fucking clue what's gonna happen in five. So yeah. yeah anyways, anyways, this is silly. 
This is let's predict the future. What uh, I mean, we did that already like two episodes ago. What are we painted? What are we painted? I never know who goes first, so I just kind of like sit here and wait for you. Tell me I did do. the last preamble ramble, so we kind of this is a ping pong game. All right, we'll ping pong. I'm about to I'm about to smash it down your throat. <laughs> Phrasing. Yeah. <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> okay, so I painted a Trader Guardsman just like you did. Yeah, we painted Trader Guardsmen. So you can check them out on the internets and on the yes. screen right now. Otherwise, you can find them on. Instagram. Instagram. Scott posted uh, the pictures. Me and John had a little one and a half hour speed paint. John elected to not use his entire hour and a half. Fool of a took. (laughs) Um, I did. Uh, And then, yeah, we had stream vote on that. It's all Uh, about posturing. Yeah. I can always say that. Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate, the ultimate excuse. Uh, Next week on my stream, I painted an Iron Maker, which is a unit um, from my Greyjoy army. And then I painted Eric Ironmaker, which is an NCU and also a, a CU, a combat unit or attachment. Does he get off his chair? I don't think he does. I think, badass. I, think, I think he's too fat to actually walk. I think that's his, his deal. Um, I started to paint Carl with a Q because he's cool. Carl? Quarrel. Uh, I haven't finished him yet. And I started painting three Reavers. Um, two of them are done. One is not yet done. Painting a model in 10 minutes is... What's scary? Virtually impossible. Well, okay, because it depends on what you think is done and not done. Um, that was the, the hour and a half one, approximately. No, no, sorry, that was an hour. That was an hour of painting. That was ten minutes, and then this is the ten-hour one. <laughs> See, we had to just kind of stop on that thought. I know. It's just like that fucking little timer went off, and I'm like, "Fuck, that's all I got." How much are you into the ten hours? How many hours are you in? I'm in, uh, I think, two hours at this point. So I've added texture to the cloak. I'm begin, being all smooth about how I apply things. I, I was kind of wondering, how would the paint jobs differ if I did the 10-hour one first, the one-hour one second, and the 10-minute one last? Because with the 10-minute one, I was like kind of discovering what the model was still. Yeah. I think the 10-minute one is will turn out the its best, its best life. It'll live its best life yeah. if you had the experience there so you know where to put your ball sack I, exactly so i kind of want to paint another 10 minute one when i'm done with a 10 hour one because honestly it's 10 minutes of fucking investment how how it's many so of the, how many of these models are in a unit so each unit has tw- each infantry unit in the game has 12 models and they each have four designs that are replicated three times so there's three dudes okay but i have two reaver units so i have six of this specific sculpt yeah i think you had all the paints out in the palette you'd gone through this and this yeah I think that's really cool. That's yeah, you could have made two videos out of this, but <sighs> not thinking like a YouTuber. Yeah, no, you could actually make that its own separate video and being like making the best ten minute model. Yeah, no, I I definitely could see that because then you could call back this and it's really focusing on the details. Because I think otherwise you're kind of rushing that in at the end of this video. Okay, maybe not even rushing it no, in, but like I, yeah, it, it deserves right. its own thought. Yeah, there's there's a lot of probably really specific things. Um, that I, th- I I would like to that to be uh, expanded upon and take its time. So I think you do this as you're doing it, and then you come to that conclusion, and then you ask people at the end of the video, comment below if you'd like me to revisit the 10-minute one. <laughs> we can't explain the strategy oh, on camera. Damn it. These are all the secrets. Okay. Uh, I think it's I, what you say about separating like – like uh, big topics in different videos, something I totally agree with because you don't want to just like pile shit on in a video because yeah. you don't give it the proper time to really explore it. Uh, so I totally agree with that. But I also suck at that. 
Like I end up covering things like here's my here's the umbrella of my video, and there's all sorts of stuff that that falls under that umbrella. It doesn't get wet because it's under the umbrella, obviously. And uh, obviously. and then it makes it harder for me when people are like, "Hey, do you have any good video on like wet blending or blah blah blah?" Because it's not title of my video. It's not what I'm trying to necessarily uh, the greater purpose of the video. But in this video, actually, I go over it. Right. And so it's it's the other reason that I do that is because you if you kind of pigeonhole yourself, and some people are really good at this is the Vinci V's of the world. They're like, this is the thing. This is the title of the video. This is the thing we're doing. Yeah. And it works really well for people looking for that. But I want people to come because they're interested in some overall topic, and then they learn that thing along the way. But then it's hard to, you know, it's hard to really direct people there, so... Yeah, absolutely. You painted quite a bit. Yeah, in the last I, two weeks again. I've just been into the game, and that made me paint, and so, I yeah. feels good about that. Yeah, you painted like I don't know, like five or six models. Yeah, well, sorry, I also finished Queen Guinevere, Queenie G. I looked, and I think last time we talked about it, I had just uh, it was in a stage of work in progress, but it's done now. So, Sky, you painted like six models. That's yeah. pretty good. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> I see what he's doing. It's bullshit. So I painted. Uh, I painted Trader Guardsman as well. I also painted one. A hundred and twenty zombies. A hundred and twenty-one. So I painted hundred and twenty zombies the other day. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so fucking casual, dude. Yeah. Um, and then it took me about f- a little over fifteen hours. In one day, I painted. Um, and it wasn't optimized. I realized by the end, I'm like, I had extra steps in here that didn't need to happen. I fucked up pretty hardcore on the priming, which made the rest of the job like influence other things I was going to do. And at the end of the d- the, the day, they were done, except for the base rooms painted. Then I realized like I didn't have time to do the extra couple like over the top things that I wanted to do. So I took the next morning. And I just knocked out those things, and it made the mod. It made the models look twice as good as okay. they did before. What were those things? Um, I did some rough stippling edge highlights with the uh, pure silver on the metals because it was all very corroded and very like you with the oil washes and stuff. You could hardly tell that it was a metallic paint under there. Okay, um, that popped it out, and then I used pigment powders both on the metals and then just like around the bases in different parts of the model. And we'll talk about something new we've tried where I had kind of a revelation with this, which was really cool. And then the final thing was I added a buttload of gore. Okay. Because the models were very contrasty. Um, so I, I went with a base tone um, out of a rattle can that was colored primer. Cause I, didn't, I ain't got time for 120 models to prime them all black with an airbrush and then airbrush them all again with the base color and then Zenithal. So you just did the base color first. I did a paint I did a, a paint and primer in one out of a rattle can for whatever color was going to be the base color of okay. like the skin of those models. Absolutely, right. And then I Zenithal inked them all. With Wait, an aerosol but, can? Uh, or? No, with a with an airbrush cuz I still had them in, I had these long sticks that, right. that were 40 models on each one and I yeah. didn't take them off after I primed them and so I just kind of tilted it and went like Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then went back through a second time to just hit the head and shoulders again. Mm-hmm. So they were their tones were were very light and bright. And then I used the saturation from oil washes to bring in differentiations of color tones for the skin. But then when I pulled that off, they were still very contrasty. They were still very bright. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it looked good, 
But when you add this really dark, slimy, uhu glue gore, it makes them just jump because that stuff is so dark and so slimy so and glossy. so glossy. Yeah. It makes the the bright highlights of the skin look even more like sickly and crazy. So yeah, dude. Um, so yeah, they're all done and that felt so good. Um, cause it's one of those things when they're you base have, now too. Yeah. I, well, I did it all on the base. Nice. <clears throat> I put the basing on there and everything before the, I started painting them. The rims too. is what I mean. The most important part. Um, no, I actually haven't done that so yet. That's what I'm doing tonight. Gosh. When you're playing song of ice and fire, I'm going to be doing 120 rim jobs. But that's where I'm really excited. F's in the chat for John later tonight. <laughs> because the base tones were kind of like pastel-y. There's like a lilac purple, uh, like an Easter green, and then a lighter blue-gray. Oh, it's, did you do different base, base tones? Okay, cool. Yeah, I did blocks of 40. Cool, okay. So there, are, there's a lot of different variation. And then the way that I did the oil washes, too, it's kind of haphazard. With I had like... 10 different oil washes all set up mm -hmm. and so no two of the models look exactly the same they're yeah. not like all blocked out with certain colors um <clears throat> but the base rims now because you aerosol can them all still look like easter egg colors <laughs> and when there's these nasty gory zombies and i think once those are all black it's gonna be like oh baby dang dude. we're gonna be ready we're ready to to field the sea of zombies <laughs> So yeah, I'll use them as proxies for my White Walker army. Unfortunately, there isn't one. What? The literal F. <laughs> there isn't. I don't know why there isn't one. That'd be a cool army to play. Maybe in the future. Yeah, they got it. I mean, they're just like Lord of the Rings. They're restricted to the, the lore of the world. Yeah. And, and I, so they're going to run out of factions. Yeah. You know, honestly... Okay, I've said that for the longest time too about how I dislike games that are restricted by, restricted by the lore of whatever. But like, if it's fun to play right now, who the fuck cares? <laughs> so like, so yeah, I, I kind of talked to Pat Scott and I was like, Pat Scott, you're a bullshitter. Like, right. it's a fun game. Who fucking cares? You're um, like, you're trying to justify. Right. You're trying yeah. to justify for yourself like the time and the money investment. Blah 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, Just like yeah. a video game too. It's like, well, I'm not gonna spend forty bucks on this video game. Because I know it's like, oh, it's going to be fun, but I don't see myself playing this long term. Yeah. And so you're like, talk yourself out of a thing that you would have a shitload of fun with yeah. for a month or two. And like, that's worth it for 40 bucks. Right. Like a movie costs 15 to go see. Right. And it lasts two hours. So right. it's like, bro, come on. Live in the moment. Exactly. Buy everything you want all the time. Does it bring you joy? Right now. You should have it. Buy it. Marie Kondo. Buy it. It's yours already. Just... Spend the money. Okay, that was probably bad advice. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. That's what you painted. Now on to the topic uh, provided by Dave the Barbarian. Uh, as a patron of the podcast, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. And we'll credit you in the episode. And this one was from Dave. And he worded it a bit differently. He said, what's the top five techniques beginners need to kind of advance into the world of you know, higher quality painting. And I said top three for each of us. Okay. So hopefully we'll have six. Because, you know, I think we're going to have a different opinion about what's the best. Yeah. Um. So this is leveling up from beginner to intermediate, beginner to advanced -ish. Yes. And like I want to just, okay, I want to talk about this question. And I want to talk about like the kinds of ideas it's, it's offering up. I feel like the question... 
while it is interesting and I we have plans to talk about it, I feel like it's um it suggests something about improvement that it's stepped instead of gradual. And what I mean sure. by that is that it's like, oh, once you learn X technique, you will be level up to level three, level three painter. It's like, no, this is not you're not at work, you know, getting, you know, qualified for like a higher pay and a higher job title. It's like improvement in any hobby is very gradual and slow. And it's, it, you will not notice. I mean, some people say they notice individual things like, man, when I got a wet palette, I fucking leveled up. Like it was so obvious. But like to me, nothing has ever been super obvious. Everything's been very slow and very gradual. So we're not trying to like, tell you that you need to do these things and when you do them you'll be a bazillion times better it's like these are the things that i think have the highest impact on my painting in the last seven years five years yeah yeah it felt like a very rec you know rex quando kind of a take on it like if you do these three things yeah you will become the ultimate killing machine yeah you see these pads <laughs> you think i go home to darla at night i forget what he says about darla whatever forget about it <laughs> Oh man, I love how you started this. Like we often start it by, you know, with a caveat. Yeah, right. We're just hedging right now. Well, it's not. It's not a hedge. I do think. I think the question can come from a place of wrongful thinking, and I want to. The question has value, but I want to protect against the potentially wrongful thinking that people might have. Or it's like, I don't want to say learn this, and when you do, you'll feel a bazillion times better because you won't. You'll do it for the, for the first time. You'll suck dick at it, and then you'll do it like ten more times. And you'll get better slowly, and then you'll be like, oh, "Okay, now I see the value." Okay, sure. that's what I'm saying. All right, basically, it's not like an Egyptian period, 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 an Egyptian pyramid. It's like okay. a Mayan pyramid. Are we uh, are we about to delve into the world of pyramid schemes? Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> the pyramid. It's like you were waiting for me to say it. <laughs> just, just just letting you take this because the Egyptian pyramids are are a smooth pyramid shape and the Mayan pyramids are stepped. So it's more like an Egyptian one. It no, it's not. It's not stepped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> You're right. I had the pyramids correct. Just the wrong pyramids. Yeah. Very cool. All right, you kick us off, Scott. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think my answers might be a little bit less traditional than uh, like what you might expect. Uh, I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna say things like wet blending or like glazing. Shit, um, that's what I was gonna say. That's fine. <laughs> that, those are fine answers. Those are fine answers. I, but I've had epiphanies in my miniature painting journey in the last five years or so, and I kind of wanted to discuss those epiphanies and how I think they might be able to help you. In painting, uh, one thing that I've talked about in the past, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt to unravel more, and maybe you can ask me some questions so I don't miss details. Um, you have a vision for a, a painted project in your head in terms of what colors you want it to be, and let's drill down even more. I want to paint a horse, this Dothraque screamer. I want to paint his horse a certain screamer! color. Screamer, screamer. I want to paint his horse a certain brown. And I have an idea for the brown that I want to paint him. And this color is often referred to as your mid-tone. What you want the color to read as. Um, how you distribute the shadows and highlights affects the perception of that color. And I have a handy little physical thing I want to show you real quick. Uh, on the screen right now, I'm holding up our the exact same color progression of paper layers but just distributed differently. And when looked at from afar, 
what the color ends up looking like changes. And this is based on how big your shadow and highlight layers are. I call this value distribution. I'm sure it has a official name or maybe value distribution is even the name. I didn't make it up. Um, but it's how big your respective layers are. One of these looks more like white than the other. The other looks more pink, even though they're using the exact same colors. This is a really important concept when you're trying to nail a mid-tone while trying to paint in a fancier way, a way where instead of applying washes and things like that, you are applying individual layers of paint. This is a really important concept. Another thing that kind of orienting your mind to think in this way gives you is uh, you start to think a lot more about materials and how they reflect light and stuff like that. And I believe that material reflectivity is definitely a more advanced painter topic. And so an example might be like, if I want to paint skin, skin is a little bit higher on the scale of reflectivity than something like rocks, for instance. And that's going to affect how your highlights are going to distribute across a model, whether they're bigger, whether they're smaller, whether they're brighter, whether they're darker. So many, so many variables can be adjusted just based on the material you're painting. Um, and that has to do with highlight distribution. Another thing is, is this is effectively layering, right? That's a technique that we're all very familiar with. And in my head, it transcends blending 100%. Um, because if you can nail this, your model's gonna look amazing. And the reason why I say that is because John and I look at Ruben Martinez and other Spanish painters all the time. And if you look at their blends, they are not flawless. They are not amazing. But when you're looking at the model, you do not, you do not care at all. It looks amazing because all the paint is in the right spot. Um, this is something that seems so basic, essentially layering paint, but it has just, there is something so, uh, so fundamental about the knowledge of layering that applies to so many other things. Mm -hmm. um, uh, additionally, if you wanted to smooth these blends out, it is made much easier if you have all the color in the right place first. So yes. I did a video where I painted 10 Space Marine shoulder pads and I painted them with the same colors in the same ways 10 times. And I got faster and faster and faster and faster because eventually I figured out where I needed to deposit the majority of the paint to make the future blending steps way quicker because the fussing reduced. So this, this technique, I'm sounding like a fucking salesman right now. <laughs> this technique ha is, has so many implications outside of just like what I said earlier. It, it really is. It really is huge in my head. And for only five easy payments of nineteen ninety five, <laughs> you too can paint with these little cardboard boxes. You know, it's you want the full ten piece set. <laughs> Going back to Rex Quando. Okay, that's pretty good. Numero uno. That's pretty good. Mine is somewhat related, and I think you're gonna have some of these that will be somewhat related, which is not a bad thing because I think that should give you some confidence moving forward that in working on one, you're actually improving on the others as well. And mine is, uh, sounds like a simple one. And it's one that is not often discussed um, because it's a very hard thing to really get into or to demonstrate in a video format. Um, and that is simply brush control. So when you go from an a beginner painter to an intermediate and advanced at each stage there 
there is some level of, again, it's not this plateau where you hit a next step, but it's a gradual ramp that your ability to use the brush in a way that it does what your mind's eye is wanting it to accomplish becomes easier for you to do. So this can show itself in a number of ways. First and foremost, it can show it in how small and detailed you can actually paint. In relating to what you just showed us, Scott, how can I actually have the, the surface of this texture, this part of the model, read as the color I want to be able to have it be more white or more pink comes back down to how much control do I have over the brush to do what I want it to do. So you could you could put those same five colors from maroon up to white in front of me, and you could put them in front of uh, Ben Comets and ask us to paint the pink horse, and his would look much better than mine. Same colors, same direction, same techniques, but he simply has a lot more masterful control over the color with his brush to do what he wants it to do. So that is a mastery of your tool. It's it's more of an artisan's side of this than the artistic side is you being able to accomplish what you want to accomplish with techniques out of side of the window here, but simply that you have control over what you're trying to do. And this is something that when you look back like, oh, this is the model I painted two years ago. I repaint the same one today. I would argue that the main reason why your one today looks better than that one back then, if you had everything at a percentage value of what got better, your brush control was the leader in that value. Mm. Your ability to have the thing look the way you want. And it's not just I had more crispy lines. I had better um, black lining. I had all these. like Those are examples of using brush control. But it just may be a more striking model because you're able to build up the saturation by controlling your brush better. You're able to highlight in a way that drew your eye to the shoulders and head. Um, you're able to have nicer blends. All of those things are a, a, you know certain techniques, but they don't. it doesn't matter if you can't control your brush to kind of master them. So brush control is a one of those skills that I don't know if it has a ceiling, but when you get to a certain point, You've, I would have called you leveled up from beginner to intermediary. And in fact, if you did none of the things we talked about today to try to get better, if you simply, your, your painting did not improve at any other area, you still were crappy at picking colors. You're still crappy at doing glazing. You're still crappy at doing all these other things. If you became so much better at brush control, that would be the biggest factor that would make you a better painter, in my opinion. I mean, in my head... Brush control is what is the tether that ties everything in miniature painting together. Right. You know, I mean, it sounds obvious and stupid, but we are painting tiny fucking toy soldiers. So the most important thing is your ability to put paint in the right spot. Um, and it's hard. It's not easy to do because they're so yeah. small. So yeah, that, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there's my numero uno. We're on to Scott's number two. My number two. Um, okay. Do I got to take a number two? No, 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 I don't. No. We're mid-recording. Mid-recording. You have to hold it. Pinch it off. <laughs> don't pinch it off. That means you've started. Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, I'm groundhogging it. <laughs> so my my ideas are kind of based on a lot of the feedback that I give in my Discord. I have a 
uh, a painting feedback channel. People give me uh, or give me models to get feedback all the time. And so these are the kind of things that I talk about a lot to beginners. And it's going to be related to what John's talking about, but it's just more specific. And he even mentioned it. Um, I think that people really don't value uh, the, t- the technique of recess shading enough. And here's what I'll say. Hmm. Um, I probably don't come to think of it. Um, I think separation of detail is so fucking crucial in miniature painting. Um, and it's achieved in two ways, recess shading and edge highlighting. But I personally believe that recess shading is more important of those two. And I think it's because dark colors just render more as a border than bright colors do. Mm-hmm. Um, both I use both in tandem, but if you had to pick one, they're kind of the same thing. They're, you know, the technique is applied in almost the same way. Um, I, would, I prefer recess shading. Um, when I look at so many beginner models, they have paint in the right spot. They even have highlights in the right spot and shadows in the right spot. But what is what is left is what is basically what I'm looking at is like an amorphous, amorphous blob of color. It starts here, it floats into the next zone, and it changes hue, and it floats over here, and it changes hue. What I want to see is definition. And I don't mean just in between the different materials that you might have on your model. I mean like if the model has like wrinkles in the fabric. I want to see dark lines that separate those wrinkles. Right. And, and, and I want to see like all that stuff that just helps you read what is going on with the model so much more when everything is clearly defined. And this is definitely like, this may not be like on everyone's top 10 list. It's definitely on mine and it definitely reflects something about the way that I like to paint and the way that I like th- things to look. Um, but yeah, recess shading, incredibly important. Um, and then to give some advice about recess shading, um, you don't need a tiny brush. You just need a brush that has a sharp tip. And we say that all the time, uh, to give examples of ones, uh, Raphael A404s, Windsor Newton, Sable Series 7, Broken Toad, uh, Da Vinci Maestro, all brushes that can have excellent, like razor edge, uh, tips, size zero, size, size one, you can accomplish recess shading. Um, you want flow and you want opacity at the same time. Uh, oftentimes thinning down an acrylic paint might work, uh, for darker colors. They're more forgiving than brighter colors. Um, like for like a Navy blue or a black that will work. Um, for other hues, uh, I like to use inks a lot. Uh, opaque inks help a lot. Uh, they have really high flow, really high pigmentation and they cover really great. I know that the guys over on, uh, Cult of Paint, uh, they use contrast paints to do their recess shading, which works <laughs> very well as well. Cer- certain ones. Have- yeah, 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 yeah. It has to be the certain ones. Yeah. Um, if you yeah. use inks, um, they tend to dry a little bit more glossy too. True. Not like hyper, hyper glossy, but they're more glossy, which True. actually isn't necessarily a bad thing because the glossier surface is um, the, the the kind of in generally the darker it looks to our eye. Mm like a matte black versus a glossy black, right? Absolutely. The further you get closer to glossy, the darker your eye reads it as. Yes. So you can actually add that depth and a, a, a tiny bit of, of contrast and shadows as well, which is cool. Um, I, I want to mention something about that too. And the way that I usually do it is, um, <laughs> lately anyway, is a similar way to like what Richard Gray does. So you can, if you go out there, Richard Gray's got some great videos on YouTube of just like him showing how he paints. It's just like a freaking phenom. He doesn't phenom. He's a phenom. He doesn't uh, black line. He simply starts with a black model. Yes. And he's got such good brush control that he's never hitting the spots that would be black line later. 
Total. That's totally an option. That's, I'm not that good a painter. Yeah. Well, also, if like you Xenophil highlight your models, you can't do it that way. Oh, that's true. That's you true. Know? That's true. Um. So it, it, and that's kind of the way I usually am too lazy to do it unless I'm like really tryharding. Um. And so I tend to just like do that. I'm just like I'm just trying not to make mistakes. So, uh, in addition, if you're like, oh, I'm painting this, uh, starting with a, I want this to be like a red coat or something. I start by painting the whole thing like a dark maroon, and then doing your layering technique or whatever, layer up to my midtone and my highlights. Mm-hmm. But there are those spots that I'm purposely keeping that that dark maroon that will end up looking as your your black lining, your dark lining, okay, um, as well. So again, it's probably not as well defined. And when we're looking at like, well, oftentimes we look at box art and Games Workshop is a great example of this. And you think of like, I'm going to try to replicate the box art. Um, or I want to get good and this is what good looks like. And what, uh, and oftentimes a really key thing to look at about like, I painted this, it doesn't look as good as theirs. Why not? And there's probably a number of ways because they're amazing painters that have you metal painters. Mm-hmm. Is the the differentiation with the the black lining yeah like they do is that's such a great job that they just have these like shink sharp lines of when one surface meets another yeah it's done really really well and they're really tiny so oftentimes you don't even like recognize that yeah it looks you like know? a little shadow line but it isn't it's painted in there yep and that's pretty crazy so that's that's a great one it's a it's a solid solid number deuce there for yeah. you scooty booty that is my unsung painting technique that i've yet to make a video about i don't feel like it I don't feel like it needs a video if it's like I have edge highlighting it's the same thing but people don't associate it the same way so I don't fucking know, I don't know you could do like a before and after kind of thing would, yeah, would oh, be really cool oh my god dude I have the craziest before and after pictures of before research shading and after here's nothing about research shading when you're blending something like I was painting that gold smoke night mm-hmm. his whole belly is round and it's made up of individual rectangular segments and I was blending a big blend across that entire belly and it looked like shit and then when I put that dividing lines in, it just turned into a different thing. And I was like, holy oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. So, yeah. yeah, at several points in a paint job, I will sit down and recess shade everything. And it just gives me a vision of what it actually is going to look like at the yeah. end. And so I can know if I need to stop and instead of you know continuing to fuss. That's, this is a really good selling point for why to do this. Is it's one of those satisfying parts. Oh my of gosh. And it's so fast. Yes. Well, if you're not, I mean, okay, it takes brush control, like John said. A lot of brush control, in fact. Um, it's not easy to do, but the thinner and darker you get those lines, fucking chef's yeah. kiss. It's, it's, it is really a transformational step. You're right. Yeah. Compared to like building up all the texture and all the depth of color and all the whatever can be a very arduous, longer process as you're trying to improve your painting. That takes a lot of time. This. It's like it feels like an immediate improvement. Like you just like get this one line between this this teal and then that cream on there, and you get that one line through, and you you look back, you're like, oh my god, that looks ten times better. Yeah, with one brush stroke. Yes. So time investment, number of brush strokes to improvement. That's that's a great one. That's a great one. Okay, my number two. This is um, one that I feel like. It, Again, it has a bunch of smaller steps along the way. However, I think that when you get beyond the the first, I'm painting this blue thing blue, and start to think about lighting and highlighting in a way that isn't just adding more white 
or adding a brighter blue, um, but actually taking into account the model as a whole and its environment, dealing with lighting and highlighting and color mixing. I kind of pull these all together is such a giant jump um, in the way that you can have your final model look. Because we oftentimes, when we're starting, we're like, okay, I'm going to paint this color and then I'm going to paint that color on top of it. Okay, so let's say it's a, you're painting your skink. And your skink's got a like a dark turquoise coat and then you put a lighter blue over the top of that. And then you paint the rift uh, or it's like frill on its head. And I'm going to start with a red and then do an orange. Well, these surfaces live in the same environment. Okay, whatever light that is hitting the green scales is also hitting the orange ruffles on its head. Why is it that this highlighted green and in the highlighted orange are completely different in some some aspect of the way that the light influences the model? There will be some samey same because it will make everything tie together. Now, I'm not saying that you do this in every single model you paint. And one easy kind of way that we um, hear about to take this step is don't just highlight with white, highlight with an off-white, highlight with a ice yellow or a desaturated light blue or something like that. Um, and I think that that's one way that you can, can add to this is by bringing in colors that are the world's light that's hitting them into many or all of the surfaces, even in a small amount. Um, that's a great way to do that. Um, in addition, you can be adding other color variation um, to the actual blending process as you're building up your surfaces that isn't so, this horse's skin is brown. That means it needs to go brown, 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 slightly lighter each time. but that ends up not looking very realistic. It ends up just looking kind of flat because there's no depth of color as the color gets lighter or as the color gets darker. So when you hear people say things like, well, did you try adding some shadow of purple into that orange cloak? Or, you know, you're, you're highlighting with, uh, you know, even like a lilac to the orange to make the higher, bright, brighter highlights is adding depth of color in your mixes as you mix paints. And at a basic level, I think that mixing paints is, is a, a way that you go from, from beginner to uh, intermediate as well. So it was kind of a wide net I just cast there. So the base level is being unafraid to mix colors and to be able to look at anything in the real world and think of it as a miniature, it's not being hit by light by just making a lighter color of blue as it goes. Yeah, and I think if you paint in that way, you could end up with a paint job that looks more segmented mm -hmm. um, where each part doesn't really coexist, but it's like its own individual element of the model. But if you use a shared highlight color, um, it can really tie your paint jobs together, similar with the shadow color. Uh, can make it look way more harmonious. Yeah. When you look around, if you look on like um, um, Putty and Paint or Instagram, whatever, try to find like the craziest paint jobs you can find. And you'll find that they typically they aren't like a clown fiesta of colors. Right. You know, there's like, gosh, this thing is freaking amazing. And again, I'll go back to Ben Comments on this. You look at a lot of Ben Comments pieces and they're so striking 
But then if you sit and think like how many colors did he use in this? It's not a lot of colors because they all kind of feel like the whole piece, every aspect of the piece is living in the same world. And there's a lot of like, whether it's a bounce lights off the grass or this is a moonlight scene. So like everything, like you can tell the story and everything about the model. Now there is an asterisk to this. And that is if I want to paint like the games workshop box art, that's not really how they paint. They paint in general, um, very true to form of, you know, dark teal, mid-tone teal, light blue, and yeah. then the crest is orange and then red. And so it, it, take it with a grain of salt that I'm not saying that you need to do this to, you know, to what end you want to meet. Um, but I think that there is an evolution in miniature painting right now that a lot of painters that are amazing painters that paint like the box art. And Richard Gray is a great example of like this. He like he is like box art plus plus. No, he's kind of what he's known for. And now he's transitioning more towards like it's more atmospheric. I don't think it's he's more, ever that. I think he was. I think like Darren Latham and Gareth mm-hmm. Nicholas are like box art plus plus. Yeah, like he's like he's got his own style. Yeah, in my head. that's true. I I think that he's one of those. Maybe he's a tweener where like. <laughs> He, he paints enough like the style to where it feels familiar, but it's certainly his own style in it that is more um, dealing with the ambience and light and color. And then you can go way off into the fucking deep end, and that's Craft World Studios, where they're just like crazy colors from everywhere, and yet I know what I'm looking at is still human skin, even though there's teals and purples and oranges and greens and whatever in this tiny little face, but I still know it's skin. And so... Looking at things from an artistic viewpoint of how color and light work together on the model. Just do all that. Get good. <sighs> like now. So hard. I have a feeling like when we have a certain kind of topic, we're not as funny as you normally are. No, because I'm, I'm trying, trying to, really hard. I'm trying to figure out why. Because I feel like maybe when we don't give a shit about the topic, we're funnier. And maybe when we're like, we care more, we are less funny. I th- well, I feel like what I'm doing right now is I'm trying really hard to give sound advice. I'm really thinking through my words really carefully. And there's no more brain cells left to right. just like standing outside myself and seeing the funnies. Yeah. Like we didn't think about this beforehand, but like all our brain cells right now. <laughs> <laughs> I normally think about this while I'm driving up here, but then I had to deal with all the stuff with the, uh, with the drip drips in my house um yeah like r kelly so i couldn't uh i I couldn't think about it too much i did have like one or two things in my head but like you don't have them fully fleshed out yeah i know where i'm going but right right. you know i didn't have a whole script written in my head oh okay that comes to me for number three i suppose uh i have a couple things that i kind of want to talk about um i don't know which one's the most valuable so i'll briefly mention them and you tell me which way which way to go i feel like practicing non-metallic metal is a is a confluence of so many skills like mm. in one technique and so i kind of want to answer what i believe is the heart of the question specific techniques and i think nmm like when you figure that out you figure out so many other things that's right. one thing two color schemes i feel like beginners really struggle with color schemes um and three knowing what to paint knowing where the value is with each brush stroke and not fucking with things that that shouldn't be messed with because it's a waste of time. I th- I think there's a lot of value in the NMM one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Because also I think people want to know like a tangible thing, right? Yeah. Right. We've kind of kind of give you some 
some flighty stuff here so far. So. Yeah, let's 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 go down to earth. So NMM, I have an album that I'll link below, which shows uh, all of my not all of my attempts, but all of my attempts leading up to when I thought I got good enough at non-metallic metal. When I thought I air quotes figured it out, and so you can see my progression. Uh, about what it looked like and for the longest time I struggled with it looking like stone and not like metal until I kind of figured out some of the key details but NMM combines blending uh, with knowing when not to blend to make it look reflective with highlight distribution with understanding the reflectivity of materials understanding how the shape of a volume impacts the shape of its shadows and its highlights it impacts, I mean, it needs recess shading and each edge highlighting. It like, it's everything. It's everything in one technique. Um, and like w whether or not you think it looks better or worse than TMM, um, it still does all those things. So if you're looking to work on a lot of shit at once, that is a thing to do. And guess what? You're going to suck at it for a long mm. time. It's going to look bad. Um, it might look worse than my attempts. My attempts, while they looked smooth, looked nothing like metal. Um, so yeah, that's an important distinction. But yeah, you figure out so much. Yeah, I, I think the 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 key with learning NMM is twofold. Twofold. And neither of them have actually have anything to do with actually painting metal. <laughs> so mm. the first one is that you just touched on that you ha you are going to suck and it's not going to look good and you have to keep doing it yeah and that's that, about that <laughs> the the mental kind of attitude that you need to have to get good at a thing um if you get good at non-metallic metal that means that you have the testicular fortitude <laughs> to get good at other things that won't, won't look so bad when you're also not great at them yeah it it hides, it pulls no punches. It hides no faults. If it's wrong, your eye's like, the fuck? Yeah, it looks like shit. Or it looks like stone, or it looks yeah. like whatever. So I think right. that's the number one. So when people say like, oh, if you're really good at NMM, that makes you a good painter. It it does, but not necessarily for the reasons I, I you may think. It's because that person has committed to really learning something that's not immediately understandable. Yeah. Um. So that's the first one. The other thing that really helps you as a painter that has nothing to do with actually painting metal is it really is the key um, or the the best way to learn how to understand how to deal with light. Because if you can paint that, it has so much nuance to it. Yeah. And light reflection and location of highlights and size of highlights going back to one of your first things. If you can do that, it actually translates to any other surface you paint. Any other surface. If you're, if you're thinking those thoughts about that, you're going to be thinking those same thoughts about everything else you paint. Yep. So it's a great tool for learning. And it doesn't even, like I said, it doesn't even directly correlate to the that that surface actually painting metal it'll actually make you an overall better painter mm. um yeah so this is your topic i'll quit talking about i mean it. no i appreciate you adding on to it those are all valuable thoughts about nmm is that what you appreciate about me i appreciate it about you <laughs> uh yeah i mean i don't know what else to say other than like give it a shot and if you try it 20 times i guarantee you unless you're just brainlessly painting, you will think thoughts about all these subjects that we have. And also, like John said, you almost don't need feedback 
because just look at it. Does it look metal? No, you fucked up. It looks <laughs> maybe you need feedback for why it doesn't look like metal, but like you will know instantly whether you are on the right track or not. And guess what? This always surprises people whenever I say this. Like you might paint a part of a model for three hours and okay that i mean is that a good thing or a bad thing you can decide but like that's the kind of commitment that i might make to a new thing trying it out i mean even when i paint faces on 75 millimeter models i take that long and i've painted dozens of faces in that scale dozens fucking dozens <laughs> um so it's just like you're not gonna nail this in 30 minutes okay you're not gonna paint for 30 minutes and be like yeah it looks like shit okay on to the next trial it's like no like give it give it some time it's fine. Massage it with your brush strokes. You know, give it some time. You need some time. Um, I think a good way to, if you're if those goody peepees out there thinking about trying this, is our good buddy Stu, who who is a do sucker, um, <laughs> and sends us British uh, candies. Um, Stu, what he did when he was trying to really get good at non-metallic metal is there was a, I think it's a 54 millimeter model, beautiful model. I can't remember where it was from. Anyway, and it there uh, it was painted really beautifully by Sergio Calvo, and it's a, a person uh, female in all armor, like walking downstairs. It's just pure metal armor, and Stu wanted to get better, and so what he did is he was like, "Okay, wow, let's look at Sergio Calvo's piece. This looks awesome," and then he put it away, and he tried to paint the metal armor, and then every so. Well, not just from memory, but just like I, I know what met, I know that this armor looks like metal the way Sergio painted it, mm-hmm. and then he just worked on it for hours himself, and then he's like, "Does this, you know, sometimes you're not really sure how what do you do to improve it, or or does it really look like metal or not?" And then he'd reference and he'd put them side by side and be like, "Oh, this is the thing that he did." And it's the exact same model trying to pull off the exact same thing. I didn't realize that will make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And then he puts it away and he tries to focus on that. And he mm-hmm. did that multiple times. And by the time he was done, his looked amazing. And because he was able to reference something that is an actual example, that is a one-to-one model, and see where he was falling short. And you get this in, you know immediate feedback. Right. Because sometimes it's it's very like intangible what do i do to make this look more like metal it's um, true and it's very hard when you don't have a, a you know something to look and compare it to so you learn along the way and you actually by the end you've got a model that looks pretty good and you'll take from that to something that you don't have something to give a direct correlation to that's great so. advice honestly and you know what john just did for you he gave you an excuse to go find a model that someone else painted that you don't own already and buy it <laughs> and we all need more of those reasons yes but no honestly that is a that is fantastic advice um like yeah you should definitely do that you should definitely do that you should so we'll give you a list of people to reference you should look at michael pasarski god uh land, <laughs> land studio try like why not try fuck sure. it uh land studio uh kareel can i have you should look at him um maybe not like the ones where he has like trees and shit reflecting in the background like, that's a bit much but like that's he's a great one um the one you just said sergio calvarubio Calvarubio is fantastic ruben martinez is fantastic eric swinson is fantastic um there's probably a bazillion other ones i just can't think of right now scott walter mediocre scott fucking walter dude 
Fucking Miniac, bro? <laughs> I hear he's having a convention in Italy. <laughs> Man, uh, 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 a person emailed them and CC'd me in that email. Yeah. Did they, they did they blind CC you or CC you? No, they, no, they no, they CC'd me with intention. It was like, hey, like I don't know if anyone's doing this yet, but someone should email these people. And they were like, yeah, the reason we call ourselves Maniac is because it's a combination of the word miniature and maniac. That's what we all are. And I was like, yeah, bro, I figured that out six years ago. <laughs> like, I know, I get it. You could, you you know, it's. I think you for the first year or whatever you actually use the word miniature maniacs in like your intro or some part of most or every video. Yeah, I so said hi, like, I'm Scott, the miniature maniac. maniac. Yes. <laughs> yep. Hi. Bob. I wonder where they got that idea. They're like one day I just woke up. I don't know. I'm doing a no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's mine. NMM. All right, we're on to the last number three. Is we got a little pepperino down here. Speaking of Italian sausages, oh baby girl, got a little black doggy dogs up in here. Um, my last one is a it's a two part system. You know, thirty nine ninety five. Yeah, I was just gonna say here we go. Yeah, <laughs> for each part. <laughs> so this is a two part system. Step one will take you from uh, I think is an important step from beginner to an intermediate, and then step two of the system is intermediate to uh, enlightened. <laughs> oh geez here we go okay so the first one is from beginner to intermediate and that is to spend time learning every miniature painting technique or every painting technique that can be utilized in our hobby and not everyone but a lot of them and okay. throw it all away <laughs> no. so get spend a, a, a good amount of time not just like i'm gonna try this one time but multiple models maybe a dozen models maybe more Learn how learn how to wet blend, learn how to layer, learn how to glaze, learn how to stipple, learn how to dry brush. Um, I'm sure there's more I'm not thinking of. We had loaded brush. Learn how to two brush blend. Learn how to um, do fat glazing. Fat fatty fatty glazing. <laughs> okay. What the fuck? So step one to go from beginner to intermediate is to fill out your tool belt. So you got all these tools down. You're fucking Batman. Before you just had a hammer. Now you got a batarang, and you got the little like little little thing that attaches to a yeah. grappling hook on your yeah, belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know you got uh, you know you got a little slim bombs. gym. <laughs> that's like the useless technique, but that's like really fun to do. Yeah, that's like the uhu glue. You just slap it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Slap somebody, and then you take a bite of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So step one from beginner to intermediate is to fill out that tool belt. I just fucking learn everything. Yep. And the point is not that you are to become a master in all of these. The point is not, and this is where we're going to get to enlightened step. The point is for you to understand them. Understand what they do well. Understand what they're not going to do well. Understand how they'd help you in certain areas. Understand where, oh, this is obviously not a time where I would use this thing. You know, I'm not going to worry about wet blending when I need to do the highest little uh, detail uh, filigrees and, and scratches and all that kind of stuff. But if you understand them, and you don't need to be an expert in them, but you really, you, you've gotten attuned enough to what they do well and, and how they help, um, that will lead you to the next phase of enlightenment. <laughs> so now that you've got all your tools... And now you're a level five warlock in John's religion. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Now here's where you can start summoning some some void demons. Okay. (laughs) Once we get to this stage. 
people often think that once you you learn and become a master of all these techniques that then you can pull them all out at any time. You may find that for you, what's natural for you, what you're better at, what you're more inclined to use, that you're actually only using a handful of those tools in your tool belt in most of your in most of your minis. And that is okay. That doesn't make you a worse painter. That doesn't mean that you're not living up to what you could be if you were an expert at XYZ instead. You're just finding things that work best for you and you're finding how you can achieve your best results. If you have a handful of those tools at your disposal, you'll get to the level of enlightenment. And enlightenment means that you quit thinking about which technique you're doing. Preach, preach, Father John. <laughs> and for only thirty nine ninety five a month, I will give you the pill <laughs> that you'll forget everything in the world except for this enlightenment. Your goal is to not be thinking about techniques anymore. Yeah. And also that question too, you know, like what technique do you use to get to this stage? And it's like, that's the wrong question to ask. Right. Because oftentimes it is this weird hybrid, you know, amalgamation of, of things that I went through and I did this and then I immediately cleaned my brush and I did this instead. And then yeah. I scratched over the top you know, and then I glaze down here. Like, and you're not actually consciously saying, now I glaze. Now I blah, blah, blah. No, yeah. You're you're kind of in Reacting. a Zen mode of here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I want. Mm -hmm. And you're taking away from the actual brain process of thinking about what to do. And instead, you're focusing on what I'm seeing and what I want it to be. And again, this is not beginner next step. I think there is that important step in between. And that is really becoming familiar with the different techniques and finding what works for you. Now, some people would say, well, I don't really think about the techniques that I do and I'm still a shitty painter. Well, I think oftentimes when you're, when you're in that rut, and I don't mean that in a negative way, sometimes it's just great to not be enlightened and just put paint on it and let it happen yeah. oftentimes i think that beginners that that do that um they're just doing basic put paint on the surface and you're like well i'm not thinking when i do that yeah it's because it's really kind of you know smooth brain work right <laughs> <laughs> i just recently heard that like that term for the first time like i don't know like a month ago and i just love it like, yeah. a lot of people could describe themselves as smooth brain organisms <laughs> there's no wrinkles there's uh, no wrinkles I know, it is so good um and so this is why it's a two-step system why you need to buy the first 39.95 first okay what we're doing is we're trying to to kickstart your brain out of that first um and by doing that we are getting you to consciously be thinking about the techniques you're doing and seeing how they work and being proactive in the process god damn <laughs> there it is it's coming back to haunt us three years later yes uh, of what you're doing and how you're using that brush to try to achieve that and you're doing all of that of getting really consciously invested in the painting process only to reach the summit and to have the the grand shwarmy tell you <laughs> that it was all for naught and that we are going to then come full circle, as all things in life do, back to the state of Zen and not thinking. 
but only with the wisdom we have gained from the learning and the Activision. Activision? Yeah, they make some great video games. Not at the moment. Man, no. they got Blizzard's got to sort their shit out. <laughs> oh, that's right. Aren't they like a team? I don't know. I'm old. Blizzard acquired Activision. I oh, it was it? Okay, I thought it was the other way around. Okay, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I think so. Gosh, I could be wrong. Anyway, you're getting me off my off my judge here. You're fucking judge. <laughs> Only when we have a strong understanding, not a masterful technique in something, you will understand what works for you and what won't. And what will naturally happen is you'll flow into those things that work for you, and you will shed the things that aren't helping you. And you'll get to a point where you're not thinking about the techniques anymore. But you can't get to that point unless you've put some time into really, really understanding them at their core, at their technical level. What are they and what do they do well? Um, and they can be they can be tough. And part of that learning process is putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. Like, yes. Just like learning NMM, learning wet blending uh, is a great example of like, God, this looks like garbage right away. Um, but not giving up and giving it more attempts and not losing all your steam and your confidence in that, in that you are becoming a better painter. And then that transition into not worrying about that will only break away those final barriers of, of your true enlightenment. <laughs> and that concludes our top three. Six uh, techniques for becoming a better painter. Becoming, know, stop being a shit kid. <laughs> fuck, get good, shit, dude. Shit kid with the smooth brain. Yeah, you fucking smooth brain shit kid. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, that's it. Thanks, Dave the Barbarian, for sending us that topic idea. You think we he's really it. a barbarian? Does he get in a little wooden boat and he he like? Gets his oar out and he goes across to like a, a, a beach a couple miles away. And then pillages the town. And he just t- just takes people apart with a hatchet. And he just comes home at night. Probably not. Goes into his suburb house and yeah, sleeps yeah, like yeah. a baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's only a barbarian half the time. Yeah. What a great movie concept that would be. <laughs> yeah, it's I just mean, called Dave the Barbarian. You know, it's funny because the Greasy Strangler is kind of like that. There you go. Have you seen that yet? I still haven't seen any Don't Greasy Strangling. It. Don't watch it. Well, you keep telling me to not watch it. Okay. Watch it. <laughs> yeah. All right, on to the news. John's got the first one here. Tycho, who is in some way affiliated with PAX, referenced Tabletop Minions on Twitter. Okay, so uh, for those of you who don't know who Gabe and Tycho are, uh, they are of Penny Arcade. Penny Arcade been around for forever and a year, kind of innovators for in the, forever. For forever in the nerdery webcomic um kind of lore of of existence and they started off by having really interesting not started off but at some point after penny arcade got popular they you know they hired employees and they started putting out like videos on their website as well of like their process of how they make their cartoons and their web comics uh it's hilarious and um it's just those two um and like it's like a vlog style and become very popular. It's very funny, very interesting. Eventually they put in a ping pong table and they have like their ping pong, like mm-hmm. they challenge other Pacific Northwest, like game designers and all this stuff to come for like team tournaments of ping pong. <laughs> I remember that back in the day. I was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I wish I could do that. <laughs> anyway, that they're kind of um, celebrities. Like 
they're they're a pretty big deal in the nerd sphere, and yeah. they are the creators of PAX, a PAX. Arcade Expo. I have always wanted to go to PAX East. Yeah. Always, um, yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. So so Jerry is is kind of a big deal and kind of a, a awesome nerdery superstar. And recently on um, Twitter, um, or actually on story of this goes that on Uncle Adam's Twitch stream, there was somebody in there um, named uh, wasn't uh, Tycho that was talking in the gifted subs or whatever. And so uh, Adam wasn't sure that that was actually really him. It was just somebody, you know, it's on Twitch. You can have your name right, or whatever. Be, give me anyone. So he makes a tweet at, that he tags uh, Jerry and he's like, I don't know if it was really you, blah, blah, blah. And Jerry responded. And he's like, yeah, it was really me. He's freaking awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And it was like a, a, a small back and forth, whatever. That's so cool. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. That's really cool. I wish I was Adam. I wish I wish Jerry knew me. <laughs> Maybe that's if you story. look and sound really sad, Jerry will be your friend. That's how I make friends. I guilt them. Yeah. Jerry, we're really cool guys. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if anybody knew how cool we were, like, have like so many friends, like Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that fucking knee outside? Quick! <laughs> we need to get on that Pax tour bus. <laughs> yeah, so that's really cool. We're happy for Uncle Adam. Yeah. Um, Pax is awesome. I wish I could go. Uh, but I only go maybe, to one con a year, and that's Depticon. Maybe one day. Speaking of Depticon. Speaking of. Let's jump around here. Jump a Rooney. Uh, this past twenty fourth August, August twenty fourth. Yes. Fuck, dude, we're getting late in August. Um, was the time to pick up a room at the Renaissance Chambre, which is the hotel that Adepticon takes place at, and this is this is the hotel you want to be in. This is where all the fucking action is. Also, it's just super convenient to be able to get out of bed and just walk down to the convention instead yeah, of yeah, driving yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Um. So it opened at twelve. I was refreshing the page starting at 11.56. <laughs> and it actually went live at 11.58. Oh, that's how you got in. Yeah, so I got in and I got us a room for four fucking nerds. So we're in, baby. Yeah, we had like the streams countered. I was in a work meeting, but I think you and Josh and Jake were all trying to get in at the same time. And the first person to say, I'm in, we're done. And then they they released the hounds, you yes. know. And so we didn't have double, double books. And I... I, I forgot how to do this last year, but I have to put in all the names of the residents. <laughs> and I don't know Josh uh, or Jake's last name. So originally I put in Josh Josherson and Jake Jakerson. Because <laughs> I didn't fucking know that I made up the name. But I can go back and edit it later because I'm assuming they're going to want to see your IDs and stuff. I'm sorry, sir. Your name isn't Josh Josherson. <laughs> you can't sleep here. <laughs> I know your last name and mine, but not theirs. So that was, was kind of funny. Oh man! They also had a couple more announcements about what they're. They have that kind of a satellite secondary location. They confirmed that it is going to be mostly the historical uh, people that is, events and stuff are going to be over there, but other things as well. And they, of course, they're going to have shuttles back and forth, so that's cool. And a whole second uh, big hotel that you know people can can stay at. Plus, you can take the shuttle and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also were talked a little bit about COVID and the new state of you know uncertainty and everything. And they're 
it sounds like there's a chance there's going to be a mask mandate. I'm predicting that will probably still be the case. I hope it isn't because that would mean the world's in a better place. And there might be requirement of like proof of vaccination or whatever. So we're just not really sure right now. But um, it was just kind of nice to have a little bit of a response from them. And uh, I don't know if we're supposed to say this, but somebody said that they're coming which means that's a pretty good sign. Oh, shit, yeah. Well, I guess things could change, change. for the worse, and yeah. then he wouldn't show up, but yeah. I we mean, might, We might have a super special guest at Tup Live. Yeah. We need to find out who we need to talk to. A Goody PBs, if anybody you know who's like in charge of stuff at Adepticon, <laughs> that we can email and ask if we can get Damon it. Drescher, I know. Okay, Damon, I'm sure you're a Goody PB. Doubt it. We need a room some evening where we can do Tup Live. Yeah, we, we need we, sound equipment. We no, need no, 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 no. fog machines. Well, okay. We I, need strobe lights. He's not gonna have sound equipment. We can bring that shit. Okay, I know, but I want giant speakers. Okay, like a big old big old PA system. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I want stacks of marshals. You're not fucking James Hetfield, John. Okay. All right, cool. That's cool. I was watching a Serastro video. I like to watch Sirash. I like to check in on him every now and then because he gets <laughs> make he gets sure he's better. on the up and up. Yeah, well, no, I because he like hit the way he paints reflects his current skill set. So he is not pulling punches. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that Sirash would pull his punches and be like, you know, I'm making videos for the person who wants to paint board game miniatures. He's like, no, fuck that noise. Um, he paints super nice stuff, um, but also he's like. At this stage, you could stop, and it'd be good for a board game. So he's kind of killing two birds with one stone. Nice bird killer. I know. It's a bird killer. But he's painting a Descent miniature, which I believe this is the third version of Descent. And holy fucking shit. They are nice. They look some kind of hard plastic. They are. The casts are nice. Um, and I can tell. And they clean nicely, too. I saw him scraping them, and I was like, huh, that looks Okay. Um, and I'm sitting over here painting my Seamon miniatures, <laughs> going like a dick. <laughs> Fucking Bendy Sordorama over uh, here. So like these, okay, what I'll say is that like, okay, I think the Descent minis are like 15% better cast quality than Seamon stuff. Sure. Um, and additionally, I noticed this. Some of the, these models were assembled by someone. They're cast in parts and assembled and then put in pl- packaging. The... Certain parts of the model are different colors, different color plastic than the other parts. And you notice it more on my friend's Targaryen models. The arms are like a darker maroon than the rest of the model. And for me, the arms were like a, a very slightly darker green. And I noticed that the cleaning on the arms was way easier than everywhere else. They scraped nicely. They sanded nicely on the axes and the handles. But everywhere else, it was like that shitty plastic experience. Mm, and it's I was kind of like, like gummy. Yes. Yeah. And it like, oh man, it's the worst. It tears and like you, you work so hard to get all the fuzzy shit off, but it's like stuck there per, like permanently. Yeah. And it kind of is like, like it moves around your blade instead of letting you crisply pull yeah. it off. It's yeah. Just like, you ugh. can't scrape or sand. You have to cut stuff yes. off, um, which is really difficult to do without like removing chunks. Um, so I was like, are they casting certain parts of the model that, that people think that they, that they think people will clean more often than others in a more easier to clean material? I was kind of I was interested That's by that. Interesting. But let's, yeah, those means are fucking amazing. Um, I linked the the timestamp in his video where you can see him pull them out unpainted. You can just see the models. Fucking a, bro. You need to call. We need to call the Simon CEO. Simon, bro. Like, yeah. Hey, Simon CEO, answer me this. 
or riddle me this. Tell me this. Um, it's I. My guess would be that they have the. It has to do with the things they are going to have the weapons, the smaller things mm-hmm. that they don't want in that softer material, so mm-hmm. that you do get the bendy and that kind of thing. That okay. would be my guess. Because like, is this Dothraki sword? Yeah, that's that's a lot firmer than you think so. Than a typical. Yeah, it's got some firm. You know, it's not like GW plastic. That's got some give to it too. It does. It, it has a bounce more than a bend. <laughs> okay. 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 You need to get your B and B in order here. <laughs> B and B. Yeah. Bounce versus bend. <laughs> um. Yeah. That's that's really interesting. You know what I think? I think it's better than than those fucking descent miniatures. That's fucking CO res. Fucking CO cast. I think that's what I was gonna say. I think the descent ones are using CO cast, and Simon isn't there yet. But that's resin. It's not plastic. It's not. Well, I don't know what it is, but I have samples of it, and some of it's easy to clean, some of it isn't. Oh, the, the creature caster stuff was just like cleaning a resin model. That's amazing. It was like, oh okay. my gosh. Okay, yeah. So I, I think there are different blends of the actual casting material that provide more bounce oh, and bend. Blends. You get a little bit more of a dark roast. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> People do that for liquid resin. They like mix. Yeah, like different types that they think provide different attributes, like a ratio. Yeah, people talk about that. I was in a Discord group that I joined because of one of my uh, uh, sponsors about three D printing, and she's like, you know, here's a Discord group we got you an invite to because they're like a bunch of, you know, three D printing nerds that know all like, she's like if you have any issues with the printer, or whatever, just ask people here. And I was like, cool. And they're all about this. And they're like, you get a five, 10, 35, six, 55 blend. I'm like, Jesus, dude, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to go glug, glug, glug. <laughs> Print. <laughs> all right. We have any other news? If you do, secret weapon miniatures is unfortunately going out of business. Yeah. We just um, heard about this through the, I can't think they put out a message, I think through their, for sure through Facebook. I don't know if they, placed at other places as well that uh a number of different reasons due to the state of the world that's in um that they can't keep the business open which is sad yeah they put a little letter out um yeah i i have boughten boughten well look at me i've purchased resin bases from them but the thing i love the most and also the the crushed glass for snow i have some of that from secret weapon i can't find that anywhere else other than there i love their tiny resin bricks Mm-hmm. so much I, I use them so much um so yeah i'll miss that i'll have to find somewhere else that i have to get those things i think they've got really good pigment powders mm-hmm. they got a bunch of interesting cool wash colors mm-hmm. um yeah they got a bunch of different tchotchkes and little resin resin things <laughs> little resin tchotchkes um yeah they got a bunch they were like one of the first people that really did cool custom resin bases and that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. that's a bummer but as of right now their website is still open with stuff on uh discount across the board so yeah, look at those little pigment powderinos. I think these were the first pigments I ever bought. I bought them for my Dark Eldar army, I remember, at Adepticon 2017, I think, or 2016. And I was like, I've never used this before. Let's try it out. So yeah, bummer, bummer. Uh, last thing we're going to get off, this is not a bummer news. Not a bummer. Is that Spira Mirablis has announced as of t- this morning of us recording this that he's got his next model that's coming out. It's a fucking goblin. Yeah, it is the goblin mercenary. I'm very into it. Yeah, he looks super freaking rad. Unfortunately, the day that it will go on oh, sale God, for 24 yeah. hours will have been roughly three days ago uh, from when you watched this. But 
We keep telling you about this. If you haven't followed it yet, it's your fault. Yeah. It's on you, Goody PP. You should know. You sign up for the newsletter or follow on Facebook. Yeah, I do both. But this way, just to make sure. Just I don't. I gotta triple check. Also, I get it from two different emails because I sign up for the newsletter in one email, and then uh, somehow when I like, purchase through him, I put my r- other email in there. And so now every time he gets the announcement that it's either live or showing a new one that's going to be for sale, I get two emails. So if you go on his website, one, follow him on Facebook, two, go on his website and sign up for the newsletter. And he doesn't send shit like a lot of places you get on the newsletter and they send you just like garbage stuff all the time. He doesn't. It's just here's a new model. So you want to be in the know. So when one comes out, that if you want it, you know, it's a get it now or get it never kind of situation. All right. So, I don't know if everyone's uh, so abrasive. <laughs> if any, uh, any of the goody peepees have have learned that once we cut to this scene every single time I go alright <laughs> welcome to the end of the podcast yeah I want to end, I want to end the podcast on a good goody PP note um, this week uh, on the Facebook group someone asked I'm new here what is a goody PP and how do I become one and there's a large amount of discussion around it all pretty Freaking positive, like good loving people, like a goody peepee would do, would respond. I was like, oh, good for you guys. Get oh. your, y'all get your John Bucks oh. this week. You, you get your uh, get your allowance, John Bucks. Because they're like talking good of the goody peepee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, they were being okay. goody peepees and helping him. Okay, okay. And so I decided I need to, to chime in and I said, look, new guy. Look, if you need to ask yourself, you're really concerned about because you really want to be a goody peepee. If you ask yourself, am I a goody peepee? Then guess what? You already have what it takes. Oh my gosh. And you are one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so cathartic. Yeah. It's the more, you know, star goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Exactly. <laughs> across, across the sky. So all your goody peepees made it all the way through to the end of the podcast. So we appreciate that. We do need a goody peepee shirt. No, we don't. <laughs> Look, you, you can be ostracized that, by the normies on your own fucking merch store. It is not coming anywhere near our joint effort. Good, I need a goody PP artist out there. <laughs> I don't even want to imagine what the subject would be. Like, what? What? Like, obviously, you're not just going to put goody PP on a shirt. No, it should probably just maybe ha- you would. Maybe it you could would. just be. It could just be a hello. My name is name tag on a black shirt that says goody PP. Who the fuck's gonna wear that? Nobody. (laughs) You buy it for the memes. Yeah, that's all about the memes. I think we should get a shirt that says, Hello, my name is Sprood. Okay. It's Spruette. I'm so proud of that, by the way. You you should be. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, Okay. John doesn't know how to shill. I'll do it. I don't know how to end a podcast. If you like our podcast and you like to support it, there are a number of ways that you can do it. Uh, You can check out our Patreon, which gets you access to an extended episode. Uh, where we talk about uh, new models we've seen from other people that we really like. We talk about techniques that we've tried and had success with or failed with. Um, We also give feedback to a person in our community. So as being a $5 patron, you have access to giving us models to give you feedback. We do one an episode. And also, as a $5 patron, you can give us topics to discuss. Today's was from Dave the Barbarian. Um, Thanks, Dave. Uh, Other ways to support the podcast, you can buy our merch, which is also linked below. It's a Teespring account. So it fulfills world worldwide without charging egregious shipping. Prestige worldwide. Prestige worldwide. 
Uh, other free ways to support the podcast, tell your nerd friends about our podcast. Give us ratings on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. You can watch our ads on YouTube via whitelisting our channel. I place an ad every 30 minutes. Um, and that is it. I place a couple other ads in there. Yeah, yeah. So, so okay. I can afford to buy my Mountain Dew. <laughs> Funny story. Uh, YouTube rolled out this feature where it was like every video over eight minutes can now have mid-rolls. And it like automatically added the mid-rolls to these videos. And so when that first happened, our podcast that came out after that fact, I, they didn't do it retroactively. Thank God. Thank fucking God. <laughs> um, had ads every like six minutes. And, oh and they're like they're like I don't know what you did, but this is impossible to watch. And I was like, I do not blame you at all. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we try to keep it down once every thirty minutes. Dude, we we bought like brand new Honda Civics with all that money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, YouTube, what the fuck are you doing? Maybe like maybe maybe in like a twelve minute video, like a, a six minute ad, like an eighteen minute video, that's fine. But yeah, in a podcast, it's an hour and a half long. Jesus Christ, too much, too much. All right, thanks for guys. Thanks for guys. Thanks for listening, guys, and we will catch you on the flippity flop. <laughs> 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 <laughs>